The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Well, we're joined now by the Minister of State for Community Development, Integration and Charities, Joe O'Brien. Of course, the man who has most of the responsibility when it comes to looking after the refugees who are coming to the country. Minister, thank you very much for taking the time to join us. The first thing I just want to clarify with you is, is there the potential that Ireland in 2023 might take in nearly as many refugees as we did in 2022, that we could have up to another 70,000 people to look after this year? Well, thanks for having me on anyway for a start, Matt. Look, 2022 was an extraordinary year. Uh, The war in the Ukraine meant that I think 70,000 Ukrainians have come to our country for shelter. Uh, It's our contribution to what is still a war in Europe uh, and that is ongoing. And I think it's wise for us to plan for 2023 for that to continue. We'd all like it to finish much sooner. And in parallel with that as well, we had a very high number of international protection applicants last year as well. We have had years before as well where we have had similar numbers as well and we have dealt with that. But obviously at the moment, um, the the, uh, accommodation, temporary accommodation system that we have is under quite a lot of pressure. Uh, And I think we'd be wise in 2023 uh, to plan for similar numbers from last year as well. Um, We're we're managing to give uh, people temporary shelter um, some but of the is it appropriate temporary? Because we've heard again that, for example, these tents in Clare, which were looking after 88 people, have been in use again in the freezing cold weather of the last week. Yeah, that's a particular situation that I'm, I'm not comfortable with. Minister Gorman isn't comfortable with, and indeed uh, my government colleagues aren't with either. Uh, it's an indication of, I suppose, the number of people we've managed to accommodate as well. That's in the context, I suppose, of 70,000 people being accommodated 88 intended accommodation is is not where we want to be. We don't want anyone to be intended accommodation. But I can tell you from my last few weeks of being in the Department of Children and Integration that there are literally dozens of people, dozens of staff in there working on a daily basis to procure more accommodation, to move people to more appropriate accommodation. But does that actually exist? I mean, are you confident that it exists without having to be built? There are new new facilities and accommodation centres coming on on a regular basis. Obviously, we have the challenge with hotel contracts coming to an end as well. The buildings exist. I, I think it's a question of procuring them and getting them in in time as well. And there's a bit of work involved in doing that. But there are large teams of people on that, as I said, uh, on a daily basis. I would say I do think we do have to do things differently. Uh, We've been heavily reliant on private providers. And it's a principle of the white paper on an ending direct provision that we have more state-owned, state-controlled accommodation as well. I think that is part of the solution that we need to implement this year as well, and that we acquire more accommodation directly ourselves if needs be, we build it quickly ourselves as well in order to at least give people uh, a, a decent type of shelter uh, on a temporary basis. OK, there's loads to unpack on that. Mm. Maybe let's just go with the various accommodations perhaps around the country which are not been used. Are there lots of disused buildings, perhaps even in the care of the state or of the church, which could be readily turned into, if not perfect, but at least passable accommodation on a medium term basis for people? There is, and I think everyone knows there is. Uh, There's individual kind of previous family residences, but there's larger buildings as well. Uh, The Office of Public Works is helping us in this regard. There is a whole line being pursued in that regard in terms of refurbished accommodation and local authorities have um, 
produce lists of possible potential accommodation. Some of that has been worked on as well. We do expect some of that to come on stream. It's happening slower than we would like. I think Why? that's the way with everything. Because it's difficult, I suppose, to firstly identify appropriate buildings. Then they need to be assessed in terms of level of work that needs to needs to happen to them. And then judgment calls need to be made as to um, as to whether the investment is going to be able to turn a building around quickly as well. But I am meeting with Minister Patrick O'Donovan next next week as well to kind of get an update on on that line of things, but also on the modular housing as well, which has which is uh, beginning to um, explain uh, modular housing to us. Gosh, I'm not a builder, uh, a Matt, but 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 in essence, it's it's prefabricated um, buildings, walls that can be put together quite quickly uh, on a site, provided a site is 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 uh, found an appropriate one. Uh, they can be put up in a matter of weeks um, um, if, if an appropriate site is found. And we're in the but how much of that has been done to date? How much of the accommodation issue has been solved by assembling modular houses? Well, we don't have them up yet, but uh, we so have none to date in the past year. No, and and uh, I suppose we've five sites identified. It's a pilot program, uh, five sites identified around the country, and work is ongoing. And again, this is this is in the Office of Public Works as well. So I'm a, I'm a little bit of a step away from it, but I'll be getting up to speed with it next year or next week. Sorry, which um, Minister O'Donovan, five sites. Um, the process is ongoing with five, and we expect them to be online by the end of okay, March, Minister, early April. About two thousand people should be accommodated there. But that's only two thousand out of a potential additional seventy thousand coming in. Do you feel is there enough urgency within the system? Are people working hard enough to get these things done? I've I've, I've never seen a group of people work harder than I have in the last couple of weeks that I've been in the Department of, of Children and Integration. Certainly, all the stops are being pulled out. But as I said, and I'll say it again, I do think we need to start directly purchasing accommodation ourselves. Uh, but as from a where? I mean, who has accommodation to purchase? Yeah, there, we, we have started some lines also directly under the white paper. We have a process on ongoing under the white paper to end direct provision as well, where the state uh, acquires and or builds uh, reception centres as well. And, and we have... The, the process of that is is ongoing, so there is there but is. Isn't it all there. going to require an enormous amount of planning permission? Though, and we've seen how slowly planning is granted in this country for things. I mean, how quickly would you be able to build modular housing? Uh, put in these various reception centres. Well, with modular, we can fast track the planning on modular. That was that was agreed last year. And I suppose in terms of the larger reception centres, there are buildings that can be repurposed as well. Uh, for faster turnaround as well. But I think in the long term, we need to look to build as well because we may not get uh, all the buildings that we would like for reception centres already already built. You know. What about hotels? Because in the first place, is it appropriate for people and families to live on a long-term basis in a hotel? It's, it's not ideal, no. Uh, it's one of the reasons that in the programme for government, we have a commitment to indirect provision. I know we're a long way off that yet, but it's a recognition that that type of accommodation is not appropriate long term. Certainly from my point of view and from the integration point of view, it's it's not an appropriate type of accommodation. You need, I suppose, someone to be able to be more connected with the community as well. So, I mean, it's it's about accommodation, but it's about other things as well. And actually, that's 
I mean, I think you introduced me as someone who's going to look after all the accommodation side of things. They're not actually my delegated functions. It's community engagement is my functions. But I'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, but I think a lot can be done in that regard as well, I think, to improve people's lives. Well, let's talk about it now as well, but about the local buy-in, because Mm. that's part of community engagement. How much of a struggle is it to actually get local buy-in? Because we've seen not just protests in Dublin in recent times, but around the country when there have been applications to put in things like modular homes in Kildare and other places, that there have been pretty sustained local campaigns against the idea. Well, I put this in the context of last year and I spent a lot of time in my role last year in the Department of Rural and Community Develop- Development visiting local communities around the country that had accepted very large numbers of Ukrainians as well. And I would have uh, sat in on lots of the community response for that were being run by the council and seen an awful lot of extraordinary projects and an extraordinary effort and I've kind of worked in that sector for 20 plus years. I've never seen anything like the level of goodwill. And I'm not I, I'm not trying to put a spin on it here. Genuinely, I'd never seen anything like it. That's that's still there. And I know there's other things there as well. But that's a really solid, I suppose, bedrock to build from. And I, and I see it as a particular part of my role going forward, that that's the type of community spirit we need to support, generate, build on, in particular in relation to international protection applicants, because they are viewed differently, um, uh, and that's and that's something that I think I've got a particular job uh, to work Sorry, on. So, what do you mean viewed differently by communities? Are you saying that they've been treated differently to Ukrainians? Well, in 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 some instances, I think you've mentioned the protests as well, and I think in in some cases people are viewed differently in in that regard. There's less of an understanding. There are more diverse group. Um, I think every, everyone could see. Uh, very clearly on their TV screens why people were fleeing the Ukraine. Uh, people looking for international protection, they're coming from different countries. Their their need for protection is very often a personal one, uh, sometimes related to their personal situation or sexuality, for example. Uh, and so then it's, it's harder, to, I think, for people to make that immediate connection. But the connection is being made in communities as well. And I would say, I was in Ballymun last week and I visited the people who were resident in the two accommodation centres where there are protests outside and connections are made there and have been made there with the community in Ballymun. Like I said previously that I went out to reassure these people that um, what was outside the door was not representative of the country in terms of people who were protesting but they knew that because uh, their connections, particularly those who've been living there for nine months or more involved in local, children in in local school, soccer club. Exactly, children in school clubs. as well. So it's a credit to the people of Ballymun that those people Particularly those who've been there for a longer period of time felt connected and felt part of the community there as well. And those who had come more recently as well had already made connections as well. They had mobile phone numbers of a couple of people in the community as well who were staying in touch with them uh, and, you know, showing a bit of solidarity for them as well. So that's the kind of thing that's really important to grow because I think it can act as a bulwark to, to more, I suppose, nefarious forces that are out there as but well. But do you need to do more work in preparing areas for an influx of people or... Is it a case that if you try and do that, that that only provides an opportunity for the small but vocal minority to raise objections and try and stop things? Well, I think from my point of view, I need to be proactive. And uh, anywhere where there are people who are living in a community who are international protection applicants, I see it as part of my job in conjunction with the community and voluntary sector to help those people make connections with the community that they're living in. And as I said, that's the case in a lot of places, but I think we can do more. And I think that... That makes the community stronger and it makes it more insulated 
against the type of protests that we have seen. But what about the pressures? The school system seems to have done brilliantly in accommodating children at both mm. primary and secondary level. But one of the major issues seems to be provision of or having enough health services available, having enough rural GPs in particular to take on all of the additional numbers. And another problem for the doctors can often be the language barrier that might be involved, which means it takes an awful long time to deal with somebody who may need medical assistance and attention. If that is a problem now, how are the doctors and the teachers and everyone else going to deal with bigger numbers coming into the country throughout 2023? Well, as you said, the education system is coping well. There are pockets somewhere where there are pressures. But on the health side of things, and particularly I think on the GP side of things, it's something that came up when I was travelling around the country a lot last year um, at the various Ukraine community response for as well. Minister Donnelly does have plans to expand the GP uh, population that we have. It is an issue at the moment. There's no, so where are these doctors no, going to come no from? There's no denying that. There are increased training places as well. Minister Harris is involved in increasing the amount of training places. We need we need more GPs. There's no doubt about that. When are we know, going to get them? Well, I know there's um, recruitment exercises going on abroad as well to bring to bring people in, but also to build up the numbers that we have here as well. Another thing I want to ask you about is this issue of not the Ukrainians coming to Ireland, but those who are seeking asylum into the international refugee system. And the complaints by some Fingel TDs last night about people destroying passports on their way into the country, allegedly. In how many cases have the authorities dealt with of people arriving into the country without passports? I don't have that statistic, but more on, on the more general point, I, I would say... People coming here are often fleeing situations where their life is at risk, uh, where they are afraid, where they don't trust authorities. And they do things out of desperation. They do things out of fear for their own safety and their family's safety as well. And when people come here and claim asylum under the UN Refugee Convention, I think it's incumbent upon us to um, offer them that support, offer them that safety as well and assess their application in line with the convention as well and to do it as swiftly as we can. And while all this is happening, I would say they are entitled to be here and they have legal status to be here while that application is being assessed. Apparently the number is just over 4,000 undocumented people out of whatever it is, 15,000 was it, other than Ukrainians who came last year seeking asylum in the country. How do you think the year is going to pan out though? Because there's a lot of great aspirations and good intentions and a desire to do things. But if you don't manage to put the accommodation in place, how are we going to cope? Uh, we, we will manage. We will manage. We've managed well last year. I think if you had said at the beginning of 2022, how are we going to cope with, after coming out of the pandemic, a war on Europe uh, and an increase in international protection applicants and the numbers that we have, you wouldn't have been able to get your head around how we how we did it last year and and the community level response as well that we saw last year as well. So there are two really strong, I suppose, building blocks to build from. But again, I, I'm not going to play it down. The accommodation situation that we're facing now in terms of temporary accommodation is very pressing. And as I said uh, several times now, we do need to do things differently. We need to acquire accommodation directly ourselves because we can't be overly dependent on the commercial side of things, and in particular the hotels. And can you see yourself being in a position, or the government being in a position, where it might have to say, we actually have to put a temporary, not permanent, but a temporary halt to people coming in because we cannot cope? That's really not an option for two reasons. 
Uh, people are coming here based on two international agreements that are based in law. One is the, U- the UN uh, Refugee Convention and the other is the Temporary Protection Directive that we signed up for in Europe. Um, people under the UN Convention, they're fleeing for their lives very often in, in situations that are very, very pressing. We can't walk off the international stage that I don't think our Irish people would want that. Uh, we walk away from our from our duties in that regard. And in, in terms of the uh, Temporary Protection Directive, we signed up for that uh, up until March next year. The Taoiseach recently reassured President Zelensky that we stand in solidarity with, with the Ukraine during the war. And this is our contribution to a war effort in Europe. Thank you very much, Minister of State for Community Development, Integration and Charities, Joe O'Brien. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here.